Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. Now, it's not hard to understand what John means when he refers to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's talking there about the Spirit's work in our being born again into the family of God, into the kingdom of God, and that brings me to truth point number two. The new birth is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Father created the plan, Jesus carried out the plan in real time, and it is the Holy Spirit who takes what what Jesus accomplished and makes it real in our lives. The new birth is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of John chapter 16 verses 8 through 11 tells us about his work. It is the Holy Spirit who brings conviction of sin. Something that many preachers ought to be reminded of, that it's not their job to convince or convict people of sin. We may be tasked to talk about it. We may be tasked to preach against it, but we have to remember it's the Holy Spirit's work to convict. It is also the Holy Spirit's work to convince you of the righteousness of Jesus and to point you toward him. It is also the Spirit's job to enlighten you about the the coming judgment for those who reject Christ. And so through his Spirit, uh, through this the Spirit draws the sinner to Christ, brings supernatural life to the sinner's spirit, and then seals them in Christ so that their standing Uh, with the Lord is sure. This is the baptism of the Spirit that he's talking about. This is the work that Christ would perform. He He would do everything that was needed to make that ministry available and the Spirit then would bring it to bear in our lives. So that's the baptism of the Spirit. But what is this baptism of fire? He says the Holy Spirit, he will baptize you in Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Let me tell you that not all Bible scholars agree on, on what this is. Some say that this fire baptism is um, the refining fire of sanctification. In case you don't know what that word means, Uh, The sanctification is the ongoing work of the Spirit. Once you come to faith in Jesus, the Spirit of God then works over your lifetime to move you and transform you to be more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8 and verse 29 tells us that is the whole purpose of our redemption is to conform us to the image of Christ Jesus. So some scholars say, well, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about that that continued work after your new birth that will make you look more and more like Jesus. Others uh, point to a a number of scriptures that reinforce the idea of judgment. The judgment that awaits those who reject um, Jesus as the Messiah. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1, you can look it up later, is one of those passages that speaks specifically about that. And I'll tell you that a compelling case can be made for either view. And I could literally stand up here and just bring out scripture after scripture that would convince you that this baptism of fire is all about sanctification. And I could bring you a whole bunch of scriptures and convince you probably that it's all about judgment. So it's a little bit hard to determine what is it. 
But I believe that the best way to determine what is this baptism of fire is simply to look at the context of the passage because I believe what follows. You know, that statement is made. John says that the the Messiah will baptize you with the Spirit and with fire, and then he goes right into an illustration. And I think that illustration gives us the meaning of what he's saying. So I want to bring that out to you this morning. In verse 17, after making that statement about the ministry of the Messiah, John speaks metaphorically of the Messiah in terms of a thresher of wheat. And he he paints this picture of this thresher of wheat, this person who holds a winnowing fork in his hand. And while he's holding that winnowing fork, he's standing over top of his threshing floor. And he's at work. He's separating the wheat from the chaff. That's what threshers do. And John says the Messiah will eventually completely clear his threshing floor. And the wheat will be put into his barn. And the chaff will be burned with unquenchable fire. Now what does all that mean? I don't think it's hard to interpret that imagery. Here's what I believe it means. The threshing floor equals the world. The world of humanity. All of people from the beginning of time till the very end. The winnowing fork is the gospel. The wheat would be those who receive the gospel. The barn that the wheat is put into would represent heaven or the kingdom of God. The chaff would represent those who reject the gospel. And then the fire, the burning with unquenchable fire, would be a representation of hell. The eternal separation of of body and soul uh, from the presence of God. And I believe what John is communicating here is that as the Messiah comes, there will be those who will be baptized by the Spirit into Christ, into his work of the cross and his resurrection, and they will be fully fully immersed into the the, the family and the kingdom of God where they will enjoy the presence and glory of God forever. But then there will be those who will be baptized by fire, those who reject Christ, and thus they are fully immersed in the judgment reserved for those who trample the blood of Christ underfoot and make their own way apart from faith. They will live eternally in that state of judgment. That was John's message all the time. That's what he was preaching. That's what people were going out to hear. Can you imagine John the Baptist being here today in 2019 preaching that message? Man, I think that not only would the lost population be offended, but based on what I see in the church today, many of the people who profess faith in Jesus would be offended by it as well. And that's quite unfortunate. But it brings me to this third truth point. And that is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is an offense to those whose heart is set against truth. Let us not be fooled into thinking that the gospel is pleasing to everybody. Because it is not. If you preach the gospel straight and true with a smile on your face and a song in your heart and you cut out every 
other offensive word, but you talk about Jesus' death and his bloodshed for sinners who deserve hell, and the only way they can escape that is through the forgiveness that is bought by the grace of Jesus Christ. No matter how pleasant you say it, it's going to offend people because the cross is an offense. And we need to also understand that every time the gospel is preached, one of two things happen. People are either being pulled toward the Savior or they're being pushed away. It happens every time. The Apostle Paul refers to the gospel as the fragrance of life for some and the fragrance of death for others. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. And this pushing or pulling, this drawing or separating is honestly a ministry man cannot do. I can preach the good news, but I can't draw your heart to faith. Only the Spirit of God can do that. Only the work of the Messiah can do that. And so John contrasts the work. Hey guys, you're wrong. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah even. I'm not even the prophet. I'm just a voice in the wilderness crying. I'm just here uh, putting forth the message. But when the Messiah comes, this is the quality of his work. And this is the eternal ness of his work. And this is what he will do. Well, in Luke, we need to, if we're going to continue on chronologically, we've got to drop down to verses 21 through 22 to find, Jesus, uh, to find him talking about Jesus' baptism because Luke, uh, in this particular case, is presenting things thematically, not chronologically. You, you'll notice that after he talks about this contrast between the two, he, he goes into talking about John the Baptist, kind of the end of his ministry. And then he talks about Jesus being baptized, but that's not the way it actually happened. It, it happened uh, with, with Jesus being baptized, and then about six months later, uh, John's ministry comes to a close. But he wanted to handle it thematically, and so be it. But we're going to handle it chronolo- chron- chronologically. And we're going to ask the question then, why was Jesus baptized? We get to that finally. Jesus is baptized. Why is Jesus baptized? We've already discovered that John the Baptist was, his baptism was one of repentance for the forgiveness of sin, but Jesus had nothing to repent of. He had no sin in his life. So why in the world would he submit himself to baptism? Well, there's two reasons, and the first one is found in Matthew 3.15. Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. That was the statement he gave himself when John was saying, no, 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 I need to be baptized of you. I'm not even worthy, blah, 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 blah. Uh, uh, Jesus said, no, you need to baptize me to fulfill all righteousness. Let me break it down. This is what I believe Jesus is meaning when he says that. As John preached the message of a baptism of repentance, it was a message that separated the righteous from the unrighteous. In other words, The righteous thing for people to do when they heard the message of John was to submit to it. The righteous thing to do was to repent. The righteous thing to do then was to be baptized as an outward sign to everyone else that I have repented, I have changed my path and my course. The unrighteous thing would be to reject the message and thus then reject the baptism 
And although Jesus had nothing to to repent of, here's what he did have need of. He needed to identify fully with the righteousness that God had established for mankind. God is the one who established this righteousness of repentance and then baptism to show that repentance. And this is what men and women were being called to. And Jesus who came in the flesh to identify with us and to be like us in every way except as a sinner, he needed to confirm that. He needed to walk in that same path of righteousness. And so by Jesus submitting himself to this baptism that John was doing, it was fulfilling the righteousness of the Father within himself. And it was giving testimony that in fact that what God had called for was righteous. It gives meaning to Hebrews 4.15 where we find that Jesus, our high priest, is acquainted with our weakness. We're told there that he overcame every temptation. He submitted to every requirement of righteousness so that his righteousness could become our righteousness by faith. And so Jesus was baptized first to fulfill the righteousness that God had brought down and was doing through John's baptism. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.